Well, good morning and happy new year. I can't believe it is 2021, but uh, man, I'm believing that uh, this year is gonna be better than the last. God is gonna do some great things in our midst. He's gonna do some great things in your life. And I'm excited to be in this new series and wanted to start today just by saying thank you to really all of our generous givers over the year 2020. If you're at home or if you're here in the room and you've been giving faithfully, I just wanna tell you that we are so grateful and thankful that we actually met budget this year, which uh, during a global pandemic is worthy of praising God for. So can we praise God for that? So thankful. A lot of uh, uneasiness, but uh, man, God has been good. And because of, of, of our giving, um, man, God is changing some, some lives. And uh, not only that, but because uh, we, uh, over the last uh, several weeks, have given towards the vision offering, we've been able to uh, receive over $500,000 as a church. And uh, as a result, our pastoral staff still believes that uh, the 2021 vision to improve our campus is uh, there and in need, and we need to move forward with that. And so uh, this past Friday, we finalized uh, details with our bank. And so on Monday morning, the renovation for our kids, our families, office space, classroom space, all of that stuff will begin. So can we praise God for that as well? I mean, it's just amazing, just amazing. I, I can only uh, imagine how many lives are gonna be changed as a result of our sacrifice, as a result of, of our giving, and not only in the year 2021, but I'm talking about 2050, 2075, when I'm long gone, when, when we may not be here, the work that God is doing now is gonna impact generations to come. And so that's exciting for me. And so um, I, I, I think it's important that we understand the why behind what we're doing. And obviously we wanna take the, the gospel to our city. We wanna take the gospel and the, and, and the mission is to take the gospel to Knoxville. And, and uh, we wanna continue to do that. And, and uh, we know that in the midst of everything that is going on, it is extremely important that our culture hears the message of hope. It's extremely important. I, I know like uh, you, I, I was very disheartened over the last week as, as I saw the storming of the Capitol and just the shock of everything. And of course now all the finger pointing and, and uh, even people who have lost their lives. Um, I think it's important that we as a church, as we did earlier, pray together. I, I think it's so important that we as a church move forward in faith and in hope and in love and that as a church, we continue to pray for our country. Uh, I think with the year that we have had, uh, I know it's been exhausting emotionally. Uh, at least I, I know it's been exhausting uh, for me emotionally. And, and so I'm sure it has been for you as well. And it leads me to think and it leads me to ask God some questions. And I don't know about you, but I've been asking God, like, what is the meaning behind all of this madness this year? Maybe you've been asking the same question and maybe you've been asking God a lot of questions this year because of everything that has been going on. And I think there comes a point in all of our lives where we start to ask God the deeper, more philosophical questions. God, what is the meaning behind this? What is the purpose of life? And we start to wrestle with those fundamental questions as humans, we all must wrestle with. And with so much division, with so many debates and even death around us, we're in desperate need of, of life-giving moments. I know I am. And so we search and we search and we search and 
We try everything that we can to find something that will give us life, will give us hope, that will give us meaning and purpose. And I think right now we've gotta be really careful, even as believers. When we're under stress like this, we might be searching in unhealthy places. And so I think that's why the Lord led me to the book of Ecclesiastes. If you have your Bibles, let's turn there. But many months ago, God led me to this book and I've never preached through it. Uh, so I was excited to do a new book. And, um, but as I did, I began to see that, man, all the emotions, all the feelings that we're going through today can be really answered by the truth that we find in this book. And so the author is asking some deeper philosophical questions like many of us are probably doing today. And he was frustrated with his life. He was frustrating with, uh, frustrated with the, the, the way things were going in his life. And he was frustrated because he couldn't find meaning in anything that he tried. And I think there's probably a lot of people in the room today watching from home who are frustrated with the way things are going today. You're frustrated with the world, you're frustrated with your work, your job, the pandemic, you're frustrated with the government, you're frustrated just with life in general and you're wondering, how can I find meaning? How can I find purpose? In light of all this depressing and crazy news and things that we continually are dealing with, how can we find that meaning? How can we find that purpose? And so over the next several weeks, we're gonna uncover I think some of, the most, um, uh, some of the answers to some of the most important questions that you will ever wrestle with as a, a human being, not only just someone who is, is following Jesus, but just as a human being. And today the question we're gonna wrestle with is what exactly should I really be searching for today? What exactly should I really be searching for today? And today and uh, today's really part one. Next week is part two because the same idea kind of happens with the end of chapter one and, and uh, the beginning and, and end of chapter two. But I wanna go back to chapter one, verse one to kind of start and, and lay some more context for us today. And so if you'll remember from last week, verse one says that this book is essentially the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. So it's really talking about who wrote this book. And it's extremely important that we understand who wrote this book because it gives us context. And, and, and I think uh, King Solomon is, is actually the author. First uh, Kings chapter three tells us that Solomon uh, is known as the wisest man who ever lived. It's important to understand that, that his life was a life uh, that was lived in such a way that he had it all. He had everything, he had wealth, he had women, he had power, he had material possessions, he had everything. He had uh, uh, the greatest education and, and, and an amount of wisdom that anyone had ever experienced. And so Pastor Solomon will tell us about his experiences, but uh, I will warn you, you will be alarmed. When you read and discover what King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, when you read what he did, you're gonna be like, whoa, how can the wisest man who ever lived, supposed to be a follower of God, do that? And you know, a lot of people will read things like this in the Bible and they'll say, well, if King Solomon did that, then he's an idiot and he's a terrible person. And what we have to realize, and this is why understanding who the author is, um, is important, 
But Solomon actually walked away from God. He actually lived a very sinful life. And, and uh, the result of this tragic life of sin is, is really what we see recorded in the book of Ecclesiastes. He writes this down and, and it's really, I believe, his really repentance. First uh, Kings 11 and, and several New Testament references imply that King Solomon does repent of the sin that is in his life, but nevertheless, Ecclesiastes is his memoir. It's his autobiography. And he clearly lays out all the foolish attempts, all the sinful attempts that, that he tried in order to find meaning, in order to find significance. And he tried that without God. He tried to find it apart from the Lord. And so I think many of us are going to resonate with Solomon. I think many of you are gonna realize that you actually have a lot in common with Solomon. And my hope is that like him, as you search for these answers, as you hear his story, that the Holy Spirit will begin to change our heart during this time together. And so uh, let's go down now to uh, verse 12 and kind of pick up where Pastor Taylor left off. By the way, Pastor Taylor did an amazing job. Thanks for sticking in, uh, stepping up. Encourage him, love to see how God is, is, is blessing his life. Um, the title of today's message is What Should You Be Searching For? And so let's look at verse 12. He says, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun and behold, all is vanity and striving after the whim. What is crooked cannot be made straight and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after the wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. So let's uh, break this down. We see what Solomon is searching for in this text. And in verse 13, he's saying that he applied his heart. In other words, this is where he started. He went after it 100%. I applied my heart to seek and to search out wisdom. Um, everything that is done under the sun is, is just everything that is done on earth. So anything done on earth in our life is what that reference is. And he's saying, I applied my heart. I went after it 100%. I'm trying to seek out uh, what uh, this answer is. How in the world am I going to find meaning and purpose? And, 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 and he's struggling with this. And he's saying essentially that he first started searching for meaning through his education. He says, I applied my heart to seek and to search out wisdom or knowledge. And so he, he starts his search by uh, learning, by growing his intellect, by his education, essentially. And so this is where he begins. I applied my heart to this. And so he, he does gain knowledge. He does accomplish this. He does get the greatest education available at that time. He becomes the wisest man, the Bible says, who has ever lived or who will ever live. No one will ever be as wise as Solomon. 
Essentially, people from all over the world would come to King Solomon to hear his counsel. He says in in verse 16, as we read, he said, I acquired great wisdom. So he went after it, he sought it, and he actually got great wisdom. And he says, I surpassed all who were over Jerusalem before me, and I had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. So he, he applied his heart to find it, and then he actually find it. Now, I wonder, why did he start his search for meaning by, by seeking out wisdom and knowledge, by seeking an education? Why did he do that? Why did he, why did he think that education would provide meaning and hope in his life? I think he, like you and I, sometimes have this assumption. And the assumption is that ignorance is our greatest enemy. We think ignorance is our greatest enemy and if we, could, if we could just have knowledge, if we could just understand more, if we could just get a certain type of education, then I would get it, then I would understand. Now, certainly, an education is extremely important. I think leaders are learners and no matter how young you are, old you are today. I think we need to continue to grow in our knowledge and understanding of the issues that we actually face in culture, knowledge of the Bible. We've got to grow in that really. In all areas of life, education is extremely important. But Solomon is saying that he is hoping and he is striving to find meaning in this knowledge, in this education. And so by growing his intellect, he is hoping that he is going to feel like life is significant and he matters. So it would be maybe he's hoping that he could just get enough knowledge about how the universe works and then maybe then he wouldn't be afraid of death. Maybe if he could get more information and knowledge about the economy, then he would know how to make more money. Then he would know uh, how not to lose money. That would be a good thing too, right? He's hoping maybe if he could get enough information about his body and how science works and how our bodies work and and then he could eat the right things and he could be healthy and avoid sickness. You see, we often find ourselves depending on education to give us hope, to give us happiness, to give us the upper hand in our life and if I can just get that degree, then I'll be happy. If I could just learn more about how to be a better husband than my wife, will love me, or if I could learn more about how to be a better wife, then finally my husband would treat me better. Solomon would say, education is important, but education alone will not provide meaning, it will not provide significance in your life. One reason why is because mere knowledge doesn't produce change in your life. Think about it like this, we've all heard the dangers of eating too much sugar or sweets. Did that stop us this month over the Christmas holidays from reaching for the cheesecake or, or reaching for the ice cream? No, it doesn't, right? Why? We know it's not great for us, but we still reach for it. Why? Because mere knowledge isn't enough to, to bring change in our life. Of course, though, education is huge. It's important. We need to be educated about all issues of our day. And I think more than ever, Uh, educating yourself about the issues that are happening right now is so very vital and important. And I would would even argue that one of the reasons why we're having so many issues is because we don't have a proper understanding of the issues. Um, I love what uh, G.F. Heigl, he was a 
a German philosopher in the 1800s, he said it like this. He said, all we learn from history is that we learn nothing from history. And that's a little cynical, but when you look at what we're facing today, we see like how we haven't really learned a whole lot about history. We haven't really learned from other parts of the country and we haven't learned uh, from history the things that you would think that we would know by now, right? You would think that we would understand by now. And so here is Solomon and, and, and he is encouraging, yes, in education, but he's also saying that, listen, don't assume that ignorance is our greatest enemy. In fact, we know as Christians that our greatest enemy is a liar. The Bible calls him a roaring lion that wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything good in your life. And he uses fear to control you. And listen, the greatest education, the finest college institutions in the world will not prepare you to defeat him. The only way to defeat him is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the working of the Holy Spirit within you and with his power, you're able to replace the lies of the world with God's truth. You're able to replace the fear that is developing in your heart with faith. And right now, the lies and the fear are flying everywhere, right? Through social media and the mainstream media, I mean, all they are feeding us is just so much fear and lies twisted and, 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 and spun in the way that they would have us understand it and know it. And listen, again, we've got to understand truth. Education is important, but where do we get the best education for life? Where do we get the truth for our life? Where will we get stronger faith to overcome our fears? Where will we get truth to overcome these lies? And listen, this is, this is a, a, a softball question, Why, right? When we get this, from the scripture. You see, your spiritual growth, your spiritual wisdom is what gives you the faith to overcome fear. It gives you wisdom to, to, to move forward in faith and in hope through adversity. When you're in the fire, so to speak, we're people of the word of God, of the book, and we treasure it. But my fear is that this situation in our country is revealing that too many Bibles are collecting dust on the shelf sitting alone without men and women picking it up and eating it every day and absorbing it every day and then seeking and desiring to live it every day. We spend so much time educating ourselves in school, maybe online school, whatever. We spend so much time developing that education. Um, but think about it in this term. How often and how much time are we actually spending educating ourselves? with the word of God. Parents, I know you want your kids to have a good education. I know you spend a lot of time and energy helping them, especially right now. Some of you are becoming uh, homeschoolers and, and uh, you're managing the, the part-time in school, part-time at home. And I know it's challenging and it's very difficult. And we spend a lot of energy. We spend a lot of money trying to help our kids get better grades and take care of their studies. But parents, do we put so much emphasis on our kids' education to the neglect of our children's spiritual development? Do we prioritize their spiritual growth? Or does that always come secondary to, the, to what we would say you know, is more important, their, their education? I find a lot of parents feel the need to push really hard academics. 
And, um, you know, we want to we um, lead our kids in this way because we have the mentality that, well, if you get good grades, go to good schools, then one day you'll find better jobs, you'll make more money. And better jobs and more money sometimes in our mind means a better life. But Solomon is preaching to us today. And Solomon would say, be careful. He's saying that he got the best education available. He's saying that he was the smartest guy, not in the class, he was the smartest guy in the world. And Solomon is saying that education alone is pointless. He had the best education, all the wisdom in the world, but he was empty, he was hopeless, it was all vanity. And here's the reason why. Education has the ability to inform the mind, but it has no power to reform the soul. And so the best college institutions in the world cannot untangle a twisted heart. It cannot purify the soul darkened by sin. And some uh, of the most educated people really in the world are the most lonely and lost people in the world. See, for us, we, we wanna see what Solomon is saying. And I think the bottom line is, is clear. What Solomon would say is that wisdom is meaningless apart from Jesus. Now, of course, Solomon didn't know Jesus. This is before Jesus comes. But, but we, when we interpret the Old Testament, we always interpret the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament. This is, this is one story and one book. And so Solomon would say wisdom is meaningless apart from God, apart from Jesus. Why is it meaningless? And he gives us a proverb in verse 15 to really help us understand. He says, what is crooked cannot be made straight and what is lack it, lack, lacking cannot be counted. And so he, he's giving us this proverb and he's, and he's showing us uh, something that is so critical. Why, uh, why is it meaningless apart from God? And, and this proverb is essentially telling us what is crooked cannot be made straight. Now, in um, wisdom literature of the Old Testament, the word crooked just simply means a, a metaphor for sin, for wrong living. And so why is the world crooked? Well, we know it is broken because of the fall. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, he sinned. Um, and then part of the curse of sin in Genesis 3 is that, that we would work and it would be hard and it would be frustrating. And we would toil by the sweat of our brow and it would feel like it was meaningless. It would feel like we're chasing the wind, never quite grasping something. And we're always searching for something. So that feeling, listen, that comes over you from time to time after a hard work, uh, after a hard week, Maybe it's been frustrating, some difficulties are happening in your life, you've got some tension at work, problems to solve, some of your friendships are, are falling apart, and you're thinking, man, I'm giving all that I've got. I'm working my tail off, I'm trying to do the right thing, but I'm still facing all of these issues. I don't know if I can take it. What is the point of all this? I feel empty, I feel hopeless. Anytime you feel that, just be reminded that you're not crazy, you're not about to lose your mind, even though it might feel like you're about to lose your mind. Romans chapter eight, verse 20 says that creation was subjected to futility. So all of creation was subjected to this futility. So in our work, because of sin, in our life, it is going to feel from time to time like it is futile, like it is empty, like it is meaningless. 
Your hobbies will come, you know, to a point, something that you, you loved years ago now feels hopeless and meaningless. Even in your family and kids, from time to time, you'll feel like, man, is this it? Is this all there is to life? Right? And why? Because we live in a broken world. What is crooked cannot be made straight. He says, what is lacking cannot be counted. So essentially, he's saying you can't fix all of this brokenness. What's lacking can't be counted. You can't fix it. Something is lacking in us, and, and we're unable to fix this. So I'm not going to be able to shake this meaningless feeling. No matter how much I learn about health and science and biology and psychology, no matter how many books I read, I'm not going to be able to shake this feeling. Simply by learning more about how the world works is not gonna, not gonna matter. We're not gonna get smart enough to get to a point to where that knowledge is gonna actually satisfy you. Think about it like this. Um, anybody good at a Rubik's Cube? You know, I think, I think everybody still knows what a Rubik's Cube is, but, but if I threw that out there, half of us like me, I mean, I, I couldn't do it. But some of you know the algorithms and you can, you can work it hard. Right? You can do it. You can match it all up. But what if I took that Rubik's Cube and I, I plucked out some of the, you know, squares, which is what I did as a kid, you know, couldn't figure the dang thing out. So I'd start breaking it off so that I could punch it in and look, I did it, right? No, if I, if, I, if I plucked some of those squares out and gave it to you and I said, hey, okay, match it all up, you couldn't do it. Why? Because you're missing something. You're missing some of the most important parts, the, the key parts to the cube. And so in the same way, we are physically missing some parts to be able to fix this feeling in this broken, sinful world. Humanity has rebelled against its creator and the curse of sin has impacted and affected every single part of life. And we try, man, we try hard. We try to do anything and everything to fix that brokenness. And so whether it's love or relationships or sex or, or money or power, whatever it is, man, we are looking for life. And we're looking for these life-giving moments. But every time we try, whether it be education and growing in our business or whatever, we, we, we find that we are chasing the wrong thing. We find that we are, are trying to catch something that cannot be caught. Solomon says it's like trying to catch the wind. You just are unable to do it. You're missing a huge part. When your kids were little, maybe you would go outside and, and blow bubbles, right? And the kids would chase the bubbles. And I don't know why bubbles are so amazing for kids, but I mean, that's a cheap you know, toy that entertains for hours. And, and what happens is they're chasing you know, the bubbles as they're blowing in the wind. Like sometimes they, 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 they actually catch a bubble, right? And as soon as that bubble hits their hand, it dissipates. And that's the idea that Solomon is trying to, 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 to cast in our hearts and minds today, that all of our efforts in this fallen world are like trying to catch the wind. It feels meaningless. He said, I searched for meaning by gaining knowledge. And I realized that it was meaningless. And your education, no matter how much you know, is meaningless apart from Jesus. But here's the second thing that he, he looked for. In verse 17, look at it again. In 17, he says, I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. Now, in um, this wisdom literature of the Old Testament, madness and folly, uh, folly represent a sinful life or essentially a party lifestyle. 
So he's basically saying, listen, I tried to live uh, my life with wisdom. And in other words, I tried to live the right way. And then I, and then I also tried to live you know, with, with, with like this party mentality. So he partied harder, harder than anybody in the room, right? He had the money and the wealth to, to, to party hard. And so he did, but it left him feeling empty. It left him feeling pain. It left him feeling broken hearted. And some of you in the room would say, I feel exactly how Solomon felt. I had to learn the hard way. I went that route. I tried to live that way. And you see, he searched for meaning here by living the right way. And he also tried to search for meaning by living the wrong way. So, so he's saying, listen, it doesn't matter how we live here. It's gonna, it's gonna feel meaningless. He tried to live this, this party lifestyle. And, and uh, as he did, he found that it was empty. And he also tried to live with wisdom or the right way. And so, listen, I tried to, to, to live the right way. I, I tried to treat people well. I tried to do good. I tried to live the right way. I tried to, you know, to be a, a good old boy. I wanted to earn respect. But at the end of the day, he said, trying to live a good life feels hopeless as well. Trying to be a good person is meaningless and you're gonna feel lost. He's saying, look, I've tried to live good. It didn't bring meaning. I tried the party lifestyle, didn't, mean, didn't bring meaning. I was chasing happiness. I was chasing meaning. I was chasing significance. I wanted to feel important. I wanted to experience life, but it left me feeling empty. It was like chasing the wind. I could never catch it. In verse 14, he says, I've seen it all, and I'm telling you, I've done it all, I've seen it all, and it's all vanity. It's all meaningless. It's like trying to catch the wind. So the bottom line, I think, from point number two is how you live your life is meaningless apart from Jesus. It's meaningless. Listen, you, you, you could live the best way that you wanna live. You could try to live the greatest life um, that you could possibly uh, give to God. And the Bible says that it still falls short of the glory of God. Your very best is like filthy rags before a holy God. The Bible says that, that no one is righteous, no, not even one purpose or person. And so the very best you could live would never be enough to, to experience significance and make things right with God. Jesus is the only one who can make it right. Having him in your life is the only way that, that you can make it right. And the good news today is he's already made it right. All you have to do is give him control of your life. So the answer today to the question is that if you wanna find meaning and purpose in life, you must, you must, you must start searching and seeking for more of Jesus. How many people in 2021 think they need more Jesus? Let's get a big amen. Yeah, I need more Jesus in my life. I've struggled this year. I know you have as well, but we need more of him in our life. We've gotta seek more of him today. He is the answer to every question that we have in our heart and in our mind this morning. Now, verse 18 leaves us with another proverb. After he teaches us this, he says, listen, and much wisdom is much vexation. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Now, this is a proverb that he's saying, basically the reality is wisdom and knowledge, uh, as you gain more and more wisdom and as you gain more and more knowledge, it's gonna lead to vexation and sorrow. <laughs> 
So the more education you get apart from Jesus, right, is going to lead you to have more sorrow in your life. Vexation just means you're gonna be more annoyed and irritated with life. Now, here's why. How does that wisdom bring vexation or irritation or sorrow into your life? And it's because even as you grow in wisdom and knowledge, you still are not able to fix everything in your life. How many of you are control freaks? We are gonna admit it this morning. I like to control things when things are not in control. I am gonna just kind of lose my mind, right? We can admit that. You see, one of the realities is we can't fix everything. That's frustrating. We think we know the answer. I'm wise enough, I have the knowledge, I can logically explain to you why this is the best way, right? (laughs) But it's frustrating because even if I can get people to do it all, it's still not perfect. And he says, this is the issue. No matter how smart a doctor is, no matter how much wisdom a doctor has about our bodies and how it works, he or she is still gonna be unable to save certain people who have certain diseases. They're still gonna die. They're still gonna face death because there are certain things, no matter how wise they are and knowledgeable they are, they're not going to be able to fix some diseases. But there is one who can. The only one who could straighten that crooked path was Jesus. And and that means the only way these feelings and these issues that we face are solved is actually through him. He lived without sin, making him the only one worthy to take our place, pay for our sin. He's the only way that lived his life on a straight path. And so he's the only one that can give you significance. He's the only one that can provide meaning And it's only when you put him first in your life that you can take your education and then leverage it for his glory and for your good. Apart from him, your education will only lead to more frustration and problems and pride. If education is how we live, if education and how we live is empty and meaningless apart from Jesus, that means the only way for us to find meaning is actually through him through his truth, through his word. And so that means we need more of them. Every single one of us, we need a good education, yes, but we need to marry that education with biblical knowledge. We need to understand the word. We need to understand how to interpret it. We need to retain it so that it is a light into my path, right? And so I don't think there's a greater goal that you could set um, then, then, and, and, and the New Year's challenge that you could make than what I'm about to give you. And I'm gonna give this to every person who is an attender, partner, says that Foothills Church is the place they go, whether you're watching online or you're in the room, every single one of us are going to be challenged with this challenge. Are you ready? Here's what I think is gonna help us in 2021. The New Year's challenge is something to work on the Bible Project. And so my challenge for you is that this year you would read the entire New Testament. And so the way that we wanna do it though is that we wanna use a plan together. And so if you um, don't have the Bible app yet on your phone, that's the first thing you need to do today is go to the app store and download the Bible app. And then in that Bible app, search for the Bible Project New Testament in one year. And then you're, you're, you're golden. It'll give you that path. And whenever you click start, that's when it'll start. So you could do it, you can start it today 
or maybe you need this week to find at least one person to read it with you because you can't do it alone. You don't wanna try to do it alone. Number one, it's not as fun. You need accountability and growth. And so you need to do this with at least one other person. So maybe somebody in your small group or a friend or maybe even a lost person, a neighbor, you would just say, hey, you wanna read through this together. And then you would do that with that person. You would follow the plan and read and then you will meet once a month to discuss. So that could be a lunch, that could be coffee, that could be a Zoom call, that could be over the phone. So if you're not leaving your house, you can still be a part of this. Just to connect and to talk about what you're learning. Nobody's gotta prepare anything or any questions or nobody's coming with any agendas. You're just coming to say, this is what I've read, this is what I've learned. And you're hearing what other people um, are learning as well. And the second part of this Bible project is Bible memory. And one of the greatest things that we could ever do is actually retain the word of God in our minds so that when we're faced with fear, when you're faced with frustration, instead of losing your mind to that fear and losing your mind to that frustration, the Holy Spirit can, can bring to your mind and to your attention the word of God. And that's been one of the, the greatest things that, that I've ever done. Now, I don't have enough in, in my mind. I need more. And so I'm doing this as well with you. And these aren't just all the verses that, that I've memorized to make it easy for me, by the way. Um, but what we're doing is once a month, we're gonna encourage you to memorize one verse. And so as you leave today, uh, on the tables at the doors are these little keychain things. And so they almost work like, you know, what you would have uh, for a grocery store or if you go work out to kind of scan in. It's a little grocery card store that you, uh, card that you can put on your keychain. And it has the verse for this month. And I just wanna encourage you to, again, memorize this with the person that you're meeting with once a month, uh, share it with each other, challenge each other to do it. Um, I know a lot of people are quick to memorize a TikTok dance. Um, I wonder how quick we can be to memorize the word of God. I think it'll change our life. I think it'll change this year. See, Solomon fell into tragic sin in his life. We read about it. But in Ecclesiastes, he records what he learned and it shows us that anyone who falls into sin has the chance to turn from that sin and receive forgiveness. I love the words of Jesus when he tells the famous story called the prodigal son. And in the story, the prodigal son, it says that the, the, the son asks his father for his inheritance. And, and then he took that money and he went off in wild living, that, that party lifestyle, right? And, and, and folly essentially. And he wasted all of that. What, what was he doing? He was trying to find life. He was looking for life. He was searching for fun and happiness, but he wasted all of the money in that wild living. And, and then he had nothing and he was eating the food from the pigs and, and he realized how empty and broken he was. And the Bible says he came to his senses and, and he said, I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna repent. I'm gonna turn and I'm gonna, I'm gonna hope but my father is gonna receive me. And as he is walking home, I love this part of the story. Jesus says, the father sees the son at a distance. And as the son is, is walking towards him, the father takes off running towards the son. And he embraces his son and the son says, I'm so sorry, dad, forgive me. And the father restores him, forgives him, throws a huge party for him. And he says, what was lost is now found. I think the truth is there might be someone in here today or maybe watching online today. 
And you're kind of like Solomon. You are trying to find meaning and purpose outside of God. But the great thing about our God is that he's running after you today. He's searching for you today. In fact, it's why you're here today. You thought you were just invited by a friend. No, God brought you here. You thought you just stumbled upon an Instagram post and thought, oh, I'll go check it out. Or, or you just saw a link and you clicked on it and you're watching today. No, God brought you here. Why? Because he's searching for you. He's running for you. And he wants you to know the truth. He wants you to know what exactly is going to bring hope in your life. And as we close today, that's why I love this song. We call it Luke 15 because this is really the story of Luke 15 and the prodigal son and how the father's searching for us. And we're gonna sing this today. Maybe you'll sing it or maybe you'll just allow these words just to, just to kind of be sung over you today and that, that it would be a song of hope that would be really injected into your heart and into your mind. And, and um, my prayer is that wherever you're at with God, you'll begin to seek him, to search him and apply your heart towards the meaning that only Jesus can provide. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we praise you today. Lord, I know that there are men, women, maybe some students in the room today who like Solomon, like the prodigal son, have chosen a path to seek out happiness and significance, but it is, it is leading to hopelessness. It's leading to this feeling that things are just pointless. It's like chasing the wind. And every night they go to sleep, they feel it. At the end of every week, when they're exhausted and worn out and frustrated and mad and angry tweeting, and they realize that they're just not experiencing the peace and joy that the Holy Spirit can provide. Lord, I pray you'll draw us closer to you help this song to increase our, our understanding of the love that our Father has for us. And may someone in the room come running towards their heavenly Father in repentance, seeking forgiveness, seeking to find his love. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Foothills Church. If you made a decision to follow Christ while listening today, or if you have some more questions about what that looks like, then let us know. You can text FC Decision to 97000, or you can head over to foothillschurch.com slash decision. We hope you have a great week.